0: So let's turn uh, to our Bible reading for today. It's in John (laughs) chapter 21. And I'm just going to read from verses 15 to 19. The background to this is that Jesus uh, is, is appearing to his disciples. And they've had breakfast on the beach. And verse 15. When they'd finished eating... And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? Uh, And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you. And lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me.
1: So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. If a man proposes marriage to the lady of his choice, Before she accepts that proposal, there are certain things that she will want to consider. For example, she may think, well, has he got a good job? And is he earning a decent sum of money so that uh, he can provide for us? Or she might think ahead a little bit and think, would he be a good father to any children that we may have? Well, that has some merit. Or she may think, is he a man of ambition and keen to do things and get on in life and so on? Well, again, is something that uh, may cross her mind. Or here's an important one. She may think, is he a man that would make wise decisions affecting the family? Well, that's always true, but I suppose with the current uh, cost of living crisis, it's especially true. (laughs) All right, that's a man and a woman. What about our Lord and what he would be concerned about for us as Christian believers, his disciples? Well, again, let me make one or two suggestions. He may be concerned, for example, that uh, we're very keen and active in Christian service. Well, that would be a very worthy concern. Or he may be concerned that we live a holy life as far as it's ever possible to live a life free from sin this side of heaven. You notice I said as far as it's ever possible. Or, or, or again, he may be concerned and ask about the quality of our time of Bible reading and prayer. Yes, all of those things he might ask, and they'd all be reasonable things to ask and to consider. But in actual fact, his question to Peter was rather different. And it was very simple. Do you love me? (laughs) The title of the sermon this morning is Love Before Service. Got it? Love before service. Well, let's just put it in the context of the uh, Bible reading, the scene at the time. Jesus had risen from the dead. Uh, The fishermen perhaps not really know what else to do. said, well, let's go fishing. And uh, all night, didn't catch a thing. And then Jesus was on the beach, though they didn't know it was Jesus at first. And uh, he said, have you got any fish? No. Cast your net on the other side. And uh, they hauled in this massive catch of fish. 153. And scholars have always wondered, was there something symbolic about that number, 153? Well, nobody has come up with a very convincing answer to that. It seems, it just happened to be, 153. But it was a jolly good catch. Anyway, Jesus had prepared breakfast. He'd got the fire going and cooked the fish. And they shared breakfast together. And then in some way. He, he must have called Peter. Just a little bit aside. Whether the di- other disciples could overhear. The, the conversation. Or, I don't know. We're not told. And it doesn't matter. But anyway. Jesus addressed Peter. And it's interesting. What he didn't ask. He could have said to Peter. Peter look. You let me down very badly. When you denied me. Now. Now. Is that a thing of the past? Are you going to be absolutely faithful to me from now on? Well, he could have asked that. Legitimate question. Or he he could have said this. He could have said, Peter, do you remember? You once said that if it was necessary, you'd lay down your life for me. Is that still true? But Jesus didn't ask that. What Jesus did ask was, Do you love me? As simple and as basic as that. Now, the other things, yeah, yeah, they are considerations, but it wasn't the priority from our Lord. The priority question from him was that basic one. Do you love me? I I, I don't know if it's still true today, but it, it, it used to be true, and it probably still is, I don't know. But in the free churches, you know, Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, and so on and so on, the invitation before a communion service from either the church secretary or the minister himself used to be, and probably still is, we invite all those who love the Lord to partake of the bread and the wine. I am so glad that the invitation wasn't we invite all those that think they've lived a pretty decent quality of Christian living this last week to partake of bread and wine. Or even we invite all those who've got a a clear conscience to partake of bread and wine. i tell you something. I would not be taking communion on pretty well, I think, any and every week if those were the qualifications. But we can be happy that, no, it was that basic one. We love the Lord. Through all our failure, through our looking at our Christian life and thinking how blooming feeble we are and so on, nevertheless, in spite of all that, Lord, I do love you. (laughs) That's the thing that the Lord wants to hear most of all. I don't know whether Peter twigged on the first, second, or did it take to the third time for him to realise that, yeah, one verbal affirmation that he loved Jesus sort of put right, compensated for those three denials before the crucifixion. Well, back to love. You may or may not be familiar with the name of the late... David Watson. Out of interest, how many of you are familiar with at least the name? Oh, a fair sprinkling, but not everybody. David Watson, just to fill in the blank, if it is a blank for you, David Watson was an Anglican. He was the leader of the, or one of the leaders, I ought to say, of the charismatic movement back in the 1970s. Very well known, right across Britain, and indeed, to some extent, around the world. One day, he went to the doctors, fairly routine matter at the time, and the doctor examined him and said, David, I don't like telling you this, but you've got cancer, severely. And you're going to have to spend quite a time in hospital. I've got all this in his own words from a book he wrote called Fear No Evil. And David said, having come to terms with the shock, he had a sort of a conversation with the Lord, and it went something like this. Lord, this can't be right. Haven't you seen my diary? I've got a mission coming up in June. I've got a big celebration meeting in July. And in August... I'm the main speaker and they are depending on me at a big conference. And I'm being told that I've got to be in hospital for probably several months. There's something wrong somewhere, Lord. And it was as if if the Lord said to him, no, you can't do any of it, can you? Let's just love one another and enjoy one another from now on certainly for the foreseeable future. And David said, yes, he came to terms with that and realised that, yes, in spite of all his activity, that was something so essential that maybe it slipped at least a bit. This is not true for everybody, but it's certainly true for some. Church life can be pretty busy, can't it? You look at your diary for the week and there's this church activity and then something and so on and so on. Well, Claire would say, don't get on the PCC. (laughs) She's nodding. Yeah, church life can get very busy. And I speak from experience. First of all, let's say something positive. It's good that we're busy in the Lord's work and church work. Yes, of course it is. But there's a hidden danger And the hidden danger is that we can get so busy with the Lord's work that it's the Lord himself that gets pushed out a bit. And we're not spending that quality time with him, loving him as we should, and considering the things belonging to him. That is the danger. It would be odd to preach this sermon without mentioning two people in the New Testament. The visual aid is in front of you. There they are, Martha and Mary. It's slightly amusing. This is a free church. You've got stained glass windows. We go to an Anglican church, and we don't have any stained glass windows. But Mary and Martha, do you remember the story? I'm sure you do. Jesus had gone to their home, and he was going to have a meal there. And uh, Martha was so busy, wasn't she? She was getting the meal ready, presumably, and perhaps tidying the house and all those sort of things. And uh, after a bit, she got a bit irritated. She thought, well, what's Mary doing? She's just sitting there listening to Jesus. Well, that's all very well, but it's not getting the meal cooked. And so she had a word with Jesus. And she was pretty confident of the response that she'd get as well. So she approached Jesus, she said, "Um, Lord, don't you care that, frankly, I'm doing all the work, and Mary, she's sitting there listening to you. And she rather expected that Jesus would say, good point, Martha. And uh, yeah, come on, Mary, give your sister a hand. He didn't, did he? (laughs) In fact, it was Martha that he rebuked. And he said, Mary's chosen the better or the more important part, listening to me. This is a unique opportunity. There'll always be meals to cook, etc. And yes, I I do look forward to having a meal. But Mary's chosen the more important thing, why she has an opportunity to just sit and listen, to be quiet before me. I expect if you've been in church life any length of time, you will have heard The preacher put in a good word for Martha. (laughs) And rightly so. We need the Marthas. In fact, I don't know how many of newcomers to this church know this. Did you know that at one time this very church had a Martha group? Did you know that? (laughs) It did. And you can predict what the Martha group did. Well, they, they polished as it was then. They polished the pews and uh, got the hoover out for the middle carpet and so on and so on and so on. The Martha group doing the practical jobs and how needed they were and how much the rest of us appreciated the fact that sometime midweek, the Martha group would come in and do those sort of things. Yes, of course we need the Marthas in the church, but isn't it interesting that Jesus actually pointed to Mary as the one that chose the better part I'm drawing to a close which is probably a little earlier than you expected but no no problem but um, I want to close with some words that we hear every single week in the village church and it's taken from this book that we're issued with as we come in so, whatever the hymns have been, whatever the sermon's been about, and so on, there's one thing we can guarantee, and it's this that the service will end with the priest saying these words Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Do you notice the order? Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. The title of the sermon. Was love before service. It wasn't love instead of service. Yes, we must be motivated by the love for the Lord, and then almost automatically we will want to serve Him in the ways that He's chosen for us. He hasn't chosen everyone to be a preacher or a missionary. Or all the other things that you could... I mean, I couldn't even play a musical instrument or arrange the flowers or keep the church accounts. There are many things I can't do. But I trust and pray, you must be the judge, that the Lord has given me some things that I can do. And it's a joy to serve him. Yeah, there are the odd moments. <laughs> That's life. But by and large, it's a joy to serve the Lord and to know that you're making some contribution to the things of eternity. So I'm going to close with the same words as the priest in our church. Go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Amen. And I hand back to you, Nick. Oh, no, I will just say this because it introduces the last hymn. The last hymn we are going to sing is how deep the Father's love for us. And so the last sentence to end the sermon is really this. Why should we love the Lord? Because he first loved us. Or rather like the Living Bible that says this. So you see, our love for him comes as a result of him loving us first.